Welcome to Video Night with your hosts, Michael and Andrew. Hey, Michael. What? Uh, do you like romance movies? Nope. No. Yes. Yeah, yeah you, you probably It's a lie. <laughs> I have issues with romantic movies. I love them, but I hate them because uh, I don't get the lady. Oh. <laughs> and they always get the lady. <laughs> But if they don't get the lady at the end of the movie, like um, uh, 500 Days of Summer. The breakup. The breakup is that way as well. You're just like, oh, you feel somehow worse. I was watching, like I was saying, 500 Days of Summer, man, tore me up. I never watched it. I never wanted to. It was too twee for me. Uh, I don't know. I I was into someone who kind of looked like Zoe Deschanel at the time. She had glasses. All right. So therefore, I rented like every movie with her. And then when she rejected me, and then he, she rejected uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I was just like, my heart was just tore out all in one. <laughs> I've, I've read so much about 500 Days of Summer that uh, was suggesting that Joey's character was very, um, un- like he was being unrealistic in the whole thing, that he was pushing everything on to- onto her character, and she was just being like, yeah, okay, whatever, no, most of the time. I don't know, I haven't seen the movie. No, but, that's kind of what it is, and I think I understand why I like the movie so much because I'm that I was that way younger when I was, uh, you know, high school, college age. I, I kind of forced everything on people, no. like on my friends and on you know the girls I was with, and you know I was always kind of like I wouldn't let the relationship breathe. I saw too many movies, so therefore I forced the situation. You know, I literally. And this is embarrassing. I mean, really embarrassing. There was a point where the relationship was on the verge of complete breakup, and instead of letting it breathe and possibly surviving, I made this demand. I made this demand, and I actually ultimatum. Stole, I stole a line from Chase and Amy. <laughs> I want to be like a normal couple, as so, I'm paraphrasing. And then she just kind of looked at me, and I, I, she knew that I stole that from the movie. She just knew, and uh, that was it. It was over with. Ouch. So. Yeah, but I think I, you know, now I, I'm to the point where I don't even try. I don't even try to be in relationships. It seems well, like so much work. I see divorce around me, left and right, yeah. t- terrible relationships. So I don't really try. If it happens, it happens. But every time I watch a romantic movie, I get all sappy again, and I just like, oh God, I want to find that kind of woman. And you so, know, and so without like, without saying you have this weird psychosis or anything, you have a little yeah. bit of a cable guy going on. A bit. Yeah, uh, I live vicariously like, like, through other relationships. Yeah, movies and movies. Um, right. Well, well, uh, what did you think of um, Romeo and Juliet 1996? Not even going into it too long, but you said okay. to me earlier. Well, you know, I have, I have problems with Shakespeare. I never really understand what he's saying, so it's really hard for me to get into the moment. The movie exactly. was flashy. It actually created some excitement, yeah. because, you know, the way he directed it. But at the same point, I still didn't really care that much because I just didn't know what was going on. Okay, well, here's here's the deal with that. My wife and I, we have the Blu-ray. I like the movie because, especially how it looks, it's a very beautiful, well-shot, neat, like a spaghetti western of Shakespeare sort of style of movie with gritty crime and whatever. But I, like you, have had, except for Hamlet, uh, a pretty hard time understanding Shakespeare movies, like the the language of it, because it's archaic, it's it's antiquated. Um, we don't talk like that at all. And he's also, it's it's poetry and prose. It's like uh, it's a jumble of words for the sake of being a jumble of words. It's art. Uh, but I realized that 
Romeo is on the rebound. And then he spies Juliet and is all, whoa, she's hot. He's like a day after he dumps or gets dumped by Rosalind, who's not in the show, not in the play. And I was just like, my head, my mind was blown. I probably sound to all these literary guys who are listening right now like a big buffoon. And that's all right, because I kind of am. But, (laughs) but... That he's, it's that, this is not the love century of our time or any time. Love, so, love story of our century or whatever. I said it wrong. You but, did. It was weird. I was like, what? Yeah, a love, love century. century of our. <laughs> is that a warrior movie. of love? Yeah. Yeah. It, this is not a love story to end all love stories sort of thing. It is a stupid teenage. It's so dumb. That's all. It was just a discovery that I, I he's, he's on the rebound. What the heck? Yeah. Anyway, you know what's funny is that a weird side note. Uh, Shakespeare, that w- the way they talk, is why I never really got into Thor. I know it's way off topic, but every time I read a Thor comic, I like I, I don't know what he's saying. Oh, you know? the comic, the comic. Yeah, yes, the I movies understand. are fine. The comic I never really cared hey, for, except there there's a series that's recent. It came out right before the movie. It's it's by Chris Samney. He did the art for it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That one's really good. It's What's not the title? Like, uh, Thor, um, uh, maybe Mighty Thor. Or yeah, I think the Mighty Thor. Okay, um, it's really good. Look, just look up Chris Samney, S A M N E E, and you'll find the title. It's actually really good. It's fun, and it has all the Thor stuff that you want in it. It's really good art. Anyway, uh, so the, if you didn't know, we're talking about lovey dovey movies, but not just the typical stuff like we. How, how would they not know this? This isn't radio yeah. where they just hop in in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, so, um, yeah, I know. I but it's like radio. It's internet. Radio. It, it kind of is, but you know, so, you start at the beginning. I know. Right, right. All right. What's the next movie? Uh, well, I, we're, I guess we're going on my list first. Right. Um, then mine. My boyfriend's back. Oh, which, I love that movie. Yeah, but it shouldn't be called My Boyfriend's Back because he's not no. her boyfriend ever. No. Well, uh, eventually, but he. Well, it's a recognizable title, and yeah. you know, Sean S. Cunningham probably saw, hey, you know, it probably is really cheap to buy the name the to right, this old yeah. old song, whatever, and then people will be like, right. oh, I know that. Yeah. Um. Well, so the beginning of the history of this, I know you like to go into the history, and I, I do, I do, you, I do. I, I don't know if you know this. I know Peter nothing Jack- about this movie. Peter Jackson was was up to direct this. They asked him to, and he turned it down. Why? I think to work on The Frighteners. That was a long time apart. Oh, you know what? I think if I remember correctly, Frighteners was originally developed as a Tales from the Crypt movie. Yes, yes, yes. It's an Ivan Reitman production. Still, that's like three years, because he was working on Heavenly Creatures before that. So I bet you he turned down to work on Heavenly Creatures, because that was really close. Well, yeah, possibly, but he was always in Hollywood in the early 90s. He was in Hollywood doing stuff, Hmm. uh, working deals. Okay, so how did Sean S. Cunningham become involved? Well, I, I don't know about that, but I know Bob Balaban picked it up, which is just weird, because he's an actor, and I, I, an actor-director, but he always plays his character bits, Right. and he directs this movie, and the late Edward Herman is in it, uh, he's Wait, awesome. Wait, Bob Balaban directed My yeah. Boyfriend's Back? Oh, I don't yes. know, if, I thought Sean Cunningham directed that. No, he produced it, it's a production. Oh, alright, alright, alright. Yeah. Cunningham, I don't know how many movies he's directed, but he did Deep Star Six. I mean, 
that's what, all I know that he's ever directed. No, well, he did a movie called Terminal or something. Well, he did the alien, first Friday the Thirteenth. He directed that one. The first okay. one, yeah. And then he all did right. um, the New Kids. Oh right! Oh gosh, that's such a bad feeling movie. Let's move away from the bad feeling movie. <laughs> yes, and into some more kind of. Bad You're right, Bob movies. Balaban. How did I think you? Never mind. Go ahead. Anyway, so my boyfriend's back. The story is his kid is pining for this chick, and this chick is uh, the school hot girl, and he's been pining for her since she was, and he was a little girl, and he was a little boy. Um, that was weird too, <laughs> but but. Uh, He's pining for her, and uh, uh, he's always been picked on and bullied around and all that stuff by the the jocks. It's a quintessential geek story. And then he thwarts a robbery where she works and gets shot and dies. But true love brings him back from the dead, much like a story that you like, The Crow, which we're going to talk about later, I suppose. Nah, let's ditch it. Everybody nah. knows the crow. Everybody. All right, knows all right, the crow. all right. So, so he loves the crow. That was going to be a possible um, on this list, but you've all seen it. And yeah, the whole true love brings it back from the dead, and the everything is so cavalier from that point on. It's not at all like, hey, it's zombie. It's uh, hey, uh, weren't you dead yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> it's really droll. Are you it's... sure you're a zombie? I don't know, son. I just, I just think maybe you should really rethink about this. You know, <laughs> his mo- his mom is constantly trying to give him food. Not now, mom. I'm I'm not hungry. His wiener falls off in one scene. But it's PG-13, so all you see is a lump in his pant leg. That's um, horrifying. Yeah. I don't even remember that part. <laughs> yeah. what, what I do remember is Philip Seymour Hoffman, probably yes. his first role, putting an axe in his own head. Yeah, sticky ticky <laughs> yahoo toucher. Yeah, uh, his his lines. In, in fact, he really does go all out being the bully. Uh, the, the, the jock is Matthew Fox, and the jock's underling is Philip Seymour Hoffman. And he really does do try to sell it. He's he's always been a serious person about his craft, even when he's in this stupid B movie. That's yeah. You know what? So, uh, I thought Andrew Lowry was going to turn into yeah a, a bigger right? actor, but he really isn't. He's only done. In fact, what's the last time I even saw him in anything? Nothing. Wow, nothing. A movie yeah. that we we're going to put on another list. Yeah. It's kind yeah, of depressing yeah. though because he was pretty good, and then he just stopped. No, he works with the other Andrew. They were called the Drews. They're screenwriting partners, and they did oh, nothing. They did Simon nothing. Says. Oh, they were all oh, movies awful. I actually own that movie, but it's because part of a set. <laughs> don't don't get mad at me. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna get mad at you. All right. So. Um, oh, and yeah, Tracy Lind. Tracy Lind. Well, yeah, I remember her. The first time I saw her was Fright Night Two, and she was in a handful mm-hmm. of movies around that time, like Road to Wellville, and. Yep. I don't know, a couple other things. But yeah, she's the main star of this one with Andrew Lowry. And they're a really good couple. And I haven't yeah. seen either one in decades. They have a good decades. chemistry. Yeah, well, Tracy Lind, I think she's just a working actor now. Like she's doing retired. TV bits and stuff. Maybe she's like... She's retired. I don't know. Married she's retired. and sort of retired or something. Does stuff every she's once retired. in a while. I don't know what Andrew does anymore. So, uh... It's a goofy um, comedy, but at the same time it has kind of a dark... Like, oh uh, yeah, it's it's a dark comedy. It definitely is, but it's it's PG thirteen. Um, yeah, so it doesn't light. make it's something you can watch with your kids easily. The, the, it actually opens up on a comic book page as if it's uh, an old comic book, like EC Comics or something. Even though it was done by some artist from the eighties. Um, so yeah, uh, my boyfriend's back is like kind of a go to 
dumb fun movie. Right. But but it's actually smart. The, the a lot of the humor in it is pretty smart. That movie um, made like a dime when it came yeah. out. Oh, yeah. such the, a bummer. The, put it this way, the line the humor delivery system in there. All the actors and how they're directed to deliver their humor, the jokes. That's the solid stuff in the film. Yeah. You know what's funny is I was looking at the cover to my boyfriend's back and I remember Every, I think this is from Hollywood Pictures. It might have been Touchstone, but Hollywood and Touchstone both did this thing where they would add exclamation marks to every single thing except for the title. Like you would look at the description on the front and be an exclamation point after every sentence, and on the back, wow, a thousand exclamation points. It's like you can't create excitement when there's no excitement. Please stop. <laughs> My boyfriend's back. Terminal velocity yeah. isn't that amazing. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so. Yeah, I recommend that movie if All you right. just wanted a yeah, dumb definitely. diversion. It's not the easiest to find, but what's your next movie? No. Um, well, you can find it on YouTube if you want to like rent it on YouTube. They have it available now. My next movie is A Life Less Ordinary. Okay, so I haven't seen this movie since it came out. I know oh. you wanted me to watch it. I just don't have a whole lot of time. It's, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, for, for those of you who don't know, A Life Less Ordinary was a massive flop by... Uh, Danny Boyle, one of my favorite directors, and I don't know why it was a massive flop other than it's a weird movie. They promoted it heavily, and I just know when it opened, people were like, what? We all expected big things. And It's a weird movie. What it is is uh, this guy, he gets fired, he's a, he's a janitor, he gets fired and replaced by a robot. He gets mad and goes to the, the CEO's office and threatens him, and then gets kicked out and goes on the lamb uh, ends up somehow uh, holding his the CEO's daughter hostage who she also is bonkers about you know like daddy issues and all that stuff so Stanley Tucci's in it he's a guy after her affections but she doesn't want him um, her is she is Cameron Diaz who I'm actually never so sold on almost anything she's ever done She's all right. Yeah. She's adequate. Adequate in this movie. What this movie? Why I like this movie is Danny Boyle, not necessarily the actors. Ewan McGregor is the guy. Um, and they go on the lamb, but uh, they're not romantically inclined towards each other until the angels get involved. Not the sports teams. Right. <laughs> That'd be weird if they um, decided, "Hey, we're gonna stop yeah. the game. Let's let's do this." The, the sports ball team, the angels. No. Uh, no, it's. Angels. Is this one with Holly Hunter and Delroy Lindo? Yes. Okay. okay. You got it. It's been a That's real. What... I don't think I've seen it since it came out. And Dan Hedaya is their uh, chief, police chief, and it's their their whole thing is like um, they're they're assigned to people. They're Cupid. They're assigned to people to get them to fall in love, but it's just so difficult nowadays. So Holly Hunter gets all crazy and is all like, "Danger! Put him in the way of danger!" and that's how the movie gets all crazy and stuff. And yeah, they eventually fall in love, and there's a musical piece. Um, somewhere wow, I really have to see this again. I think at the time I wasn't mature enough to handle that. But that yeah. sounds like an awesome idea now. It's a fun movie. I like it. My wife doesn't so much like it, but I do. But it's a Danny Boyle thing, and I like just about anything he does. Even the stuff that I watched once and never will watch again, like <laughs> Slumdog. Transcend- I like- Transcendence? Uh, uh, Wait, he didn't do that one. I thought he did. He did trance. He did trance. Trance, sorry. 
I got confused yeah, when seen, those came I've out. I've seen Trance one and a half times. I mean, that's just it's really fresh in my memory, so I don't need to watch it again. But yeah, so that. Next. Run, Lola, run. Never seen that one. Wow. Okay, here's something cool. I get to describe it to you without okay. ruining it for you. It's a, a story in three parts, or a story that is the same story told three times. Okay. Boyfriend Mani is uh, it's Franca Potenta is the actress in it. She's Lola. Uh, Mani is um, in a bit of a bind. He owes the mob some money and he's got to give it to them at a certain time or he's dead Whoa! she can get him the money she has to get him the money and she's on one end of Berlin he's at the other end of Berlin all she has are her feet hence run Lola run now does she get him the money it goes through three different scenarios Three different versions of her journey to get him the money. Huh. It's directed by Tom Tykver, who did... His last thing was uh, Cloud Atlas with the Wachowski brothers. Or oh, which I never finished. Never finished and it. Before that, he did a, a Perfume, which was crazy. Strange movie. Serial killer who wants to get to the perfect scent. But Run, Lola, Run has Franca Patenta running across Berlin... And she's one of my favorite punky ladies. Because she's totally punked out in the movie. I haven't seen her in a while. Nope. Huh. Jason Bourne, I think. The Bourne yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's about it. That's kind of probably sad. done. She's probably done a bunch of other stuff since then that's just, you know, European. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that movie's great. What's next? Next. Crime and Punishment in Suburbia. Wow, I haven't seen any of these movies. Is that the one? You haven't seen Crime and Punishment in Suburbia. Uh, I want to say, is it with Vincent Carthizer and Michael Keaton? Yes. Okay, I might have seen it, but I don't remember it. Rob Schmidt, who went on to direct Wrong Turn, the first one. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't done a lot since then either. No? No, just documentary stuff. I want to see more of his movies, because I really like... I love the soundtrack. That's one of the best things about it. In fact, what you're hearing right now is part of the soundtrack. So... Um, underlaying all of our dialogue. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so, uh, the movie is a, a reworking. It's a distillation of what Crime and Punishment was. Uh, changed characters, uh, character roles and stuff, put it in suburbia. Don't make it Russian. You know. But it's about a girl, Monica Kina, who leads a perfect life, except her home life isn't so perfect, and her parents are going through some massive tiff and her mom cheats on her dad her dad is actually her stepdad michael ironside who then proceeds to abuse her and uh that sends her into a dark place all the while the creepy character played by vincent carthizer is um he's super creepy but he's also super awesome he's really wise he was a bad kid in the previous place he lived he was he's he's gained some massive wisdom since then but he's a photographer so he's always like snapping photos of her because he's a bit obsessed in fact the movie opens on him uh, fantasizing about her Uh, but I I wonder how much how many of us normal people like my wife 
or your wife listening or your boyfriend or your girlfriend in their private time when they're not being watched by anybody and I'm not even talking dirty stuff how much of their life would seem creepy if we were just a fly on the wall looking at yeah what's normal to you may be truly bizarre to someone else so that's the interesting thing about Vincent he first appears creepy and the characters other characters notice that they're like stop following me stop being creepy but he ends up being the the most wise character not in comparison he just is a wise character towards the end it's revealed that way and yeah I, I just dig the movie the soundtrack is done by both Frank Black from the Pixies and Joey okay. Santiago from the Pixies um, mostly Joey Santiago but Frank Black contributes a couple of tracks that underlay stuff um, other stuff uh, previously before the movie came out like two years before the movie came out there's a, a Pixies tribute album that came out and it had uh, the band Far did a song Monkey Gone to Heaven that song is really well done almost beats the original and that was on the movie soundtrack other hmm. stuff yeah I, I really enjoy the movie soundtrack um, OP8 does a song called Sand um, which is a uh, Nancy Sinatra what's that guy Nancy Sinatra and uh, Lee Hazelwood but I have they no idea who that is they reverse the roles so the girl's part is sung by the guy and the guy's part is sung by the girl in the song in, on, by OPA anyway huh. so that's that's Crime and Punishment in Suburbia if you're familiar with familiar familiar with uh, with the uh, Russian thing you might be interested Dostoevsky? yeah okay have you seen Monica Kina at all lately oh right right I have a story about Monica Kina plastic surgery Story? No, I actually oh. have a real story. Okay, go ahead. So, I'll try to keep this short. But, uh, I did Weezer's Lunchbox. I designed Weezer's Lunchbox. And part of the deal was, yeah, after getting paid for that, it was also getting... Uh, I also... Part of that deal... Okay, I designed also... I, ge- I gave them a photo that I sh- shot of the whole band together on stage, and they put it on a t-shirt. So, the t-shirt deal, along with the Lunchbox deal... I got VIP passes to some of their shows. So nice. at the Palladium, I went up to the 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 second where all the VIP areas. It's, balcony. It's, uh, balcony. Thank you. I went up to the ba- balcony and I'm sitting up there and chatting with Monique Powell from uh, Save Ferris and stuff like that. And then I go down to just mingle or whatever. And as I step off the last step, right in front of me is Monica Kina. Now, this is Monica Kina a couple years after uh, this movie. So she looks just about perfect. She's wearing a little um, Angora sweater over a nice, modest, but um, form-fitting dress. And I stop, and she stops. We look at each other, or she looks at like my stomach because she's really small. Not, it's a joke. I'm 6'4", she's 5'1", or something. So, I look at her and I go, I know who you are. And she goes, really? I don't even know who I am. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Standard actress answer. Uh, And I was like, you're Monica Kina. I really liked your work in Crime and Punishment in Suburbia. She's all, oh, thanks. Like, yeah. I, um, 
I gotta tell you, I have this huge crush on you. <laughs> oh, jeez, really? Yeah, and she's like, oh. And I'm like, yeah, and I point over beyond her, because her boyfriend at the time was one of these young actor guys. And I was like, I, I know you're here with your boyfriend, so it's it's all right. I'm not going to be all, and I do the bare hands at you, so don't worry about it, but yeah. And she's like, oh. I'm like, so I've, I've got to go back upstairs. She's all, upstairs? I'm like, yeah, I got... She's like, how'd you get VIP passes? She's like, oh, I designed a lunchbox for Weezer? She's all, oh. I'm like, well, well bye. She's like, okay, bye. And I go back upstairs and skipping and bouncing off the walls, super happy and <laughs> telling everybody, I just saw Monica Kina. And oh my God, I said hi. And then I had a crush on her. And I did the very answer. Arr! And I'm it's like the biggest doofus after that. But she didn't see the biggest doofus part. She saw just me being a regular <laughs> doofus. So there's my Monica Kina story. And sad. I, it makes me sad cause I, because I... I was looking up stuff about this podcast for Crime and Punishment Suburbia. Yes, the plastic surgery or the Botox, whatever it is. It's disturbing. Yes, I've seen her since her her uh, Eddie Furlong days. And not seen her in person, but just online and whatever. And it makes me sad. It really does make me sad. <laughs> so let's talk about wedding days. Okay. No, I've seen Wedding Days. I haven't seen it in a really long time. That's with Jason Biggs, right? And written by uh, Michael Ian Black. And directed by Michael Ian Black. Hopefully in a man's life you do this one time. Well, I want my one time to be unforgettable. Vanessa, will you marry me? Uh. Vanessa? Uh. Anderson thought he'd never propose to another girl again. But this summer... Look around. Maybe there's another perfect somebody out there. He's about to surprise everyone. Will you marry me? Including himself. Yes, I'll marry you. Don't you think you're being a little impulsive? Yes, that is exactly what I mean. <laughs> Jason Big, I love Fisher. I think you can look across a crowded restaurant and fall in love with a grubby stranger. And I think love can be insane. May I? Wow, you have to feel this. I think I felt a kick. When are you due? I'm not pregnant. Wedding days. <laughs> I feel terrible. That is your fault. Oh, the the voiceover guy. They, these trailers for movies just don't sell you. Oh, no. Well, no. Thrillers, I think they have good voices. In comedy, it's really hard to find a good uh, a good narrator to or voiceover actor to do the proper description of the movie. Yeah. It's... it's Yeah. But, okay. Trailer aside. Um, the movie's pretty fun. Another Edward Herman movie. He's in it. Hmm. He's in it as... Uh, Michael Biggs, uh, uh, Michael Biggs, Jason Biggs, um, Randy Father. His parents are really amorous towards each other, and that's the gag in the film. Yeah, <clears throat> with them. But it's Michael Liam Black. So how, how I learned of it, it wasn't from any trailer. I learned of it because oh, Michael Liam Black. He's from the state, and I was a, yeah. I was a state follower. Um, so I watched it, and. Honestly, the the visual direction of it and all that stuff is a bit pedestrian. 
but the humor in it, the jokes, and Isla Fisher is pretty adorable and funny. And I don't like it when they say women can't be funny because plenty women can be funny and pretty women can be funny. And she's one of them because uh, she's funny throughout this whole movie. And Jason Biggs, he's relegated to these types of roles. And this one he shines, he excels in. But uh, the very beginning of the movie, I just got to say, is weak. The very first scene is very weak. It's like they hadn't found their rudder yet. Yeah. Um, what do you think, you know, because Michael Ian Black had two movies made that year, one directed by David Schwimmer, Run, Fat Boy, Run, of the two movies that year, which one would you prefer? Because they're both kind of romantic comedies. No, well, I don't like Run, Fat Boy, Run, because it's, it's, it's not everybody's hilarious in the movie, and everybody has some sort of quirk and stupidity to them. It is, the man is a friggin' moron, and I do not like those movies. Uh, I actually kind of enjoyed the movie, but I'm not going to say it was a surefire winner. I, and I just don't remember wedding days at all. Because I'm a man, and I'm a big buffoon, and I know women who are also big buffoons, just like I am. So if a movie is just going to only be lopsided like, like Run, Fat Boy, Run, uh, I'm not going to be into it. But well, Wedding I, Days... I think there's people like that. Yeah. Wedding Days isn't, go ahead, isn't go. lopsided. Wedding Days is everybody except for his best buddy is a buffoon. That's an interesting concept. Yeah. So, or an interesting take. I shouldn't say concept because that's not the concept. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, the movie's fun. The movie actually has real good laughs to it. Uh, and then what? And, uh, and then they what? Go ahead. No, go ahead. you you were gonna ask. Was this in theaters? Because I don't remember. I don't think so. I think it ended up being straight to video. Bummer. Yeah, I guess it was the end of Jason Biggs. Really didn't have much success outside is, of the American Pie movies. This is what I'm saying. So. He did Loser, and then what? He did. Uh, Saving, Saving Silverman. Silverman, boys and girls. He uh, oh, he was relegated to silly goofy guy, and it's fine that he's silly goofy guy, but I'm sure he would want to do something else. Right. Oh, I've seen uh, Guy X, and he's kind of serious in that. I feel like I saw something else where he was kind of serious in. <laughs> I never saw he Guy X. Some, yeah, some some movies you just need to expand, and studios tend not to let you do that. Right. Typecasting. But what's the next movie? It is a oh. it is a good little role for him. It's he works in it. It's good. This next one is Wrist Cutters, a love story. Soon after I killed myself, found a job here at Kamikaze Pizza. Who could think of a better punishment, really? Everything's the same here. It's just a little worse. You offed with the guitar? It was wild. Iggy Pop almost came to see that gig. I was missing Desiree. I think it was Desiree's suicide that really hit me. What? She offed herself about a month after you. She's not in the city. Worst case scenario, we just take a ride, right? We? You got anything better to do? Where are you guys going? East-ish. East-ish? We're looking for the people in charge. How come? Who the hell likes being stuck in a place where you can't even smile? I just want to go home. As long as you want it so bad, it's not going to happen. Just forget about the miracles. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It will. It will. If I'm going to find the people in charge, I have to keep looking. Yeah, I know. When I'm here with you, I kind of miss myself the way I used to be. What were you like? I was happy. Why don't you just tell her? Tell her that you love her. I'm not going out tonight. It just makes me depressed. So what are you going to do? Kill yourself? Wrist Cutters, A Love Story. Okay, and I have not seen that one. That's Patrick Fugit, correct? Yeah, and Shannon Sossman and one of my absolute favorite actors, who's 
I always forget. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> Easily, I actually just forgot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do it because there's he reminds me of Michael Shannon, but he's not my favorite actor. Uh, it's uh, Shea Wiggum. And, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I always do that with his name too. I'm like, he's one of my favorite actors. <laughs> well, it doesn't help. They're both on the same TV show, Boardwalk Empire. Right, right. That's the confusing thing for me. But okay, so Risk Cutter is a love story. Dude kills himself. As you heard, he's he's in a, some sort of purgatory. Meets some oddball characters. They go on a road trip. He's trying to find his ex girlfriend, who apparently also killed herself. Um, that's lovely Bib. And uh, meets Shannon Sossamon, who accidentally killed herself. So she wants to talk to the man and get out of that purgatory and go back to the world of the living because she didn't mean to. Um, and it's just this interesting little film. And uh, along the way, Shay Wiggum is driving his car who has a portal under his... You haven't seen this movie? No, you know what's funny is there were a lot of people talking about it ah. when it came out, and then it just didn't make any money, and for some reason it just never came across. Who book. talked about it? Who talked about it? I was talking about I don't Dutch. know. I, no, I just remember when it was being made that there was some buzz about it. I think it played festivals, and it just never okay. really opened. Okay, I was talking to Dutch a while ago, like earlier, asking actually for suggestions about this show itself, and he was like, wow, wrist cutters. Nobody talks about wrist cutters. So, yeah. Uh, I haven't heard anybody talk about Risk Cutters. It's on HBO right now. Another plug. HBO, please fund us. Um, (laughs) Because they need the money. (laughs) So the the story is very interesting. And uh, as it starts to lose its way, because it doesn't lose its way, but as it starts to lose its way, comes toward the very end, it actually has a really good solid cap at the very end of it. And that's what's great about it. Because you could just be like wandering this purgatory for and then and then it ends and then you're like oh wait that's a good ending so and it is a romantic story there's a little love story so um yeah tom waits is also in it oh that's, he's always entertaining yeah and he, he is pretty interesting and fun in it so next <clears throat> i love you man no you don't you're lying. You need something, don't you? You need money? What is it? A hug? What? No. I love you, man. Uh, okay. So, will you marry me? Congratulations! I need you guys some root beer flutes. Are those chocolate straws? Yeah. Pirouettes. Pepperidge Farmer. So you're not going to have a best man? Peter's always been a girlfriend guy. never really had a best friend. Well, who's your best friend? Your brother, Robbie. What's up? How do I meet friends? It's such a weird concept. You're going to have to be aggressive about this. This is awesome! Thanks a lot for hooking me up with Elmo. What? That guy's cool. From DreamWorks Pictures. Sydney Fife. You want to grab lunch or something? Half an hour? I will see you there or I will see you on another time. That was very confusing. I don't know what, if you're going to come or not. No, I'll be there. I love you, man. Rated R. Okay, so one I've actually seen, and I've actually seen more than once. <laughs> okay, right. It's fun, right? Yeah. It's a delightful movie, but it's totally a, a romantic story for... It's bromance. Bromance. This is what they call it. That's the, the, the coined portmanteau. Bromance. That's brother or bro and romance. Well, it's an odd romance because it still has the focus on his relationship with Rashida Jones. So it doesn't ignore that where a lot of romances is just about the two dudes and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that. So, which makes it a real sort of thing to me. It makes it 
legit. I, I actually don't really like her her buddies. They're a bit crude and mean to the dudes and yeah, yeah. talk talk crap behind their back. But John Favreau is also <laughs> a massive a massive jerk in that movie, but his massive jerkness is really, really, really funny. The whole movie is really, really, really funny, and it doesn't ignore females in the story, even though it's a bromance. Right. It's it's pretty giving to every side. Yeah. So, okay, there. It's, yeah, it's I mean, a, that's also, probably it's, the most it's well Paul known. Rudd, Paul, yeah, it's pa- Paul Rudd and Jason Segel, uh, Rashida Jones, uh, as I said, John Favreau, Jamie Presley. It's all over a sweet, great, vulgar movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's very vulgar. Actually, I have so, to pause a little bit in the episode here. I just bought some new chairs for the podcast, and yeah. uh, it's really tight leather, and every time I move, it makes fart sounds. So I haven't so been it, farting this whole episode. If, I, <laughs> if your microphone picks it up, it's not yeah, farts. Right, Michael. It's just every time right. I uh, Well, that or I just ate 40 burritos. Yeah. I, I, I did eat 40 burritos. I was really hungry. I apologize. I'm Tell really me. sleepy from all the food. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, I love you, man. Good. It's the most popular on here. Um, e, so, the one I love, did you see that? The one I love, yes, I did. And it's, it's a really interesting premise. I wasn't completely satisfied. I was kind of bored by the end. I kind of wanted it to end. It's a really short movie, too, but I just wanted it to end. So a couple goes into uh, therapy. Ted Danson's the therapist, sends them to this fancy house where they're going to go and spend a weekend together. And then they meet their doubles. It's a doppelganger movie. Uh, They meet their doubles. And so is it a not- portal to another world? Is it an alternate universe? Are they clones? That's the question. What's going it's on? No, I, I think I think they are the people that the doctor sent to the house before them. And they have to uh, absorb their mannerisms and ways of speaking. It's almost like a clone, but they're actually the people that were there to work on their marriage beforehand. Huh. So basically, they become the ideals for each other. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I don't want to ruin the movie, but right. It's okay. It's bonkers. It is a bonkers movie. If you can stick with it, because there might be a lull, as Michael experienced. I didn't quite experience the same lull. But... I have a very short attention span. Honestly, you. Would Michael's also a sleepy puppy. I am all the time, perpetually sleepy. My code name is Sleepy Weasel. Is it? Yes. Sleepy, sleepy, sleepy weasel. weasel. What yeah. what code name is that too? Is that <laughs> it was, it was, It's because I had to work so early in the morning all the time that if I come in all the time, like, eh, what? And they're like, well, sleepy weasel. It was like oh, our, our Air Force code names. If we were in right. an episode of Top Gun, you know. Uh, a movie I still haven't seen and refuse to. Yeah, that's okay. Despite but, all of you who just guffawed in unison. So, uh, the next, after the one I love, which is a strange good... It's like a Twilight Zone episode, really. Um, check it out. And they even notice, they even note that in the movie. It's like, this weird Twilight Zone stuff is happening. They say that. It's So it's... Yeah. Wait, the Evil one I ver- love or the next movie? Yeah, the, the one I love. Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny. It's part of the whole Mumblecore movement, which I have a couple but of But it's not covers. even Mumblecore. I know, it's but Mark, Mark so Douglas is known for those kind I know, of... I know, I know. But he's so progressed beyond Mumblecore, and I think it, because Mumblecore loses its audience if if it wants to go mainstream. Right, 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 right. So he doesn't mumble anymore. But yeah, Eagle versus Shark is the next one. Okay, I just watched this one. I've seen it a few times, actually. Um, 
I I love it and I hate it because I hate the fact that it feels like a ripoff into Napoleon Dynamite. Oh you know, the, yeah, the whole feel, the tone of it. Well, I just I just mimic you. <laughs> um, <laughs> my hands are up above my head, and he just did the same thing. Okay, I've had um, this problem since I was a little kid. I have a self conscious. I have I don't I have gained control about. I just subconsciously like start copying other people's movements, and it looks like I'm mocking them. Well, not literally. It has to be like kind of a casual thing. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. No, back to Eagle versus Shark. Okay, so the Napoleon Dynamite of it seems forced. But at the same time, hmm. it's still a really entertaining story, and you know the cast is game. You know for whatever yeah. goofiness. Go ahead. So it has it has a, a a hint anyway, if not the full appropriation of tone. It's it's a hint of it of the Napoleon Dynamite sort of uh, whateverness of it. Um, but uh, it's it doesn't look exactly like you know Napoleon Dynamite looks like it's a Wes Anderson light. Right. This doesn't have that look. It just has, has a has a kind of uh, a vibe, uh, a hint of it. But uh, what? Uh, Basically, two social and natural. Jermaine yeah. Clement. Jermaine Clement is in it from Flight, Flight of the Concords. Uh, I don't know. I have no the idea who the lady. lady is. No, I've never even seen her again. But basically, it's about two socially inept boobs. One who's clueless that he's socially inept, and one that is almost uh, contained by it. You know, one that can barely speak, barely do anything, and she is in love with this friggin' goober with a horrible mullet, kung fu skills, and bad kung fu skills. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, a quest for revenge. <laughs> and she loves this guy no matter what, but he's still kind of ambivalent to the whole thing. And it's a lot about even if you're too kind of, if you look at the general view of the world, it might be considered losers. Yeah, you know, outcasts. How even two outcasts can get together and still have trouble functioning in a relationship. Yep. No matter he, where you stand, you still have to communicate with your significant other. Yep. Um, he's 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 got flights of fancy. He's got revenge fantasies about kicking the the school bully when he was a kid. He was bullied. So um, the director of the movie is Taika Waititi. He's also um, in and directed. Just this amazing horror spoof called "What We Do in the Shadows," which has just been released. Yeah, very, yeah, very, very funny. It's New Zealand. He's a New Zealander. The whole film is New Zealand. So it that's on Netflix right now. Eagle versus Shark. If you want quirky, silly, cute, and, and it's that. it's not too long, so you know it doesn't test your patience. I enjoyed it. At the same time, like I said I have a weird love hate, but but I'm not sure if the Napoleon Dynamite is forced or that's just how New Zealand is because they've always had kind of quirky yeah. comedies, kind of an off tone with the Australian and New Zealand. Now this next movie I'm going to talk about, I can't get into it too much. Um, it's called Mood Indigo. There's two versions of the film. There's the super long version of the film which I watched, which was overcumbered by its amazingness it was just so <clears throat> i don't know you get lost in how awesome it is i've never even heard of it right it's michelle gondry it's the last movie that he made huh why have i never <clears throat> heard of this was it audrey, because, because uh, be, yeah because Aud- audrey tattoos in it a tattoo whatever from amelie mm-hmm. which is not on this list because duh it's amelie it's going to be on everybody's list so a mood indigo is over long the original original cut is overlong uh and it gets lost in how 
if Science of Sleep was just a surreal a movie about a guy's dreams, this is actually a world built out of those dreams without anybody sleeping and dreaming. Okay. So, all the cleverness is focused on way too much. So, they got another editor, some a super acclaimed editor, to go in with Michelle and excise all the, the overstuffed parts. So now, according to what I've read about it, all the, the 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 shorter version now seems like they're actually in the world that is this amazing and weird, and it's just every day to them instead of once the the original cut of it, the camera pans and looks at all the crazy amazing stuff as if we're tourists there. Yeah, so instead you're disconnected. That, you're more observing than partaking. Yeah, and then and then it, there's just so much of that in the original cut, which is still a nice little love story, um, man falls in love with a woman who ends up having uh, a flower grow in her lung and she has to be around flowers yes it's based on an old uh, an old book too um and it it ends up possibly killing her and stuff but it's yeah it's just a magical story mood indigo wow that actually sounds really interesting is it on netflix or does it just come out or is it in theaters it's it's uh it's now on dvd cool versions blu-ray I would go Blu-ray. Both okay. versions, though. Tomorrow, the first good-looking woman I see, I'm not going to fall in love with her. That'll show her. Be good to her, and she'll be good to you. I can't stand the quiet! man we're dealing with is quite possibly a dangerous criminal. What is it that makes a man dangerous anyway? There's no such thing as adventure. There's no such thing as romance. There's only trouble and desire. And who are you? I'm the man who's gonna make you happy. That's very romantic. Be good to her, and she'll be good to you. Okay, so Simple Man, another one I have not heard of. Do you know who Hal Hartley is? Yeah. I think I've only ever seen Trust. Uh, Oh. I've never really seen any of his stuff. Wow, that's a good one. That's a really good one. That, uh, in fact, I, last year, was uh, watching it, and so I I post on my Instagram um, clips of, or scenes from movies, and that's, got one of the most colorful scenes ever in a Hal Hartley movie. And just last week, Hal Hartley liked my little nice. post of that. And then, the next day, he started following my Instagram. What? Yeah, I'm so cool. God, I, you know what? I'm getting a little burnt out on social media. I think Facebook is all I need. I just don't want to do Twitter. I don't want to do Instagram. I don't want to do Tumblr. I don't want to do... Squash my face. I don't want to do punch me in the what? Punch me in the squash. shoe. Um, what is shoe? What? There, this is You're called crush up. this, and what it's called poke it. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I'm making something. <laughs> yeah, you you actually just have a bunch of billion dollar ideas right now. Tweak it. Well, it just it's a, it's a whole thing of tweakers just freaking out. It's a whole social media. We all pretend to look like we're tripping. Yeah. Sorry. No. Go ahead. <laughs> no. So, Simple Men is uh, what you heard. Uh, it's a, it's basically two guys. One guy's just not a crook. They're two brothers. Uh, one guy is a crook, 
and they go on the lamb looking for their crook father but along the way at the very beginning the big brother is all it's the first woman i see whatever that's the guy right who's in um, it he uh is it it's robocop 3 what's his name oh robert, robert john burke. robert john burke yeah I, I didn't remember if it was john robert it was robert john burke he's he's in it it's all hal hartley the hal hartley players right they're in so many of his stuff martin donovan is a guy that yelled i can't stand the quiet and then that amazing song comes up by the way that scene with that song they're they're just in a bowling alley or something maybe not in a bowling alley it looks like a bowling alley but they're just standing there and then the song comes on and they start they start dancing a semi-choreographed dance everybody huh in the scene it's it's like a musical number and it's one of my absolute favorite favorite move moments in any movie ever it is and um i actually had a moment like that uh, my wife was working at a like a a quick stop beer stop a little not liquor but for beer and sodas and stuff she was working there one winter in nashville and i go in with two people that we knew uh and she had i think uh her ipod on and it was playing a song from the iggy pop sings it but it's a bright brightland port authority or something like that it's a fat boy slim and it's a really fun song but we're walk we're walking around um the place and i just start bopping and then the two other people that were with a girl and a guy they just start bopping in a very similar way and i just start dancing it was magical and weird and then i was like this is like that how hartley movie yeah <laughs> so simple men i love it it's really good and the guy he can't he can't you know use a woman in spite of what he his heartbreak says too it's pretty cool his movies, though, are very strange and odd. You know what? I should check He's those got... out. Because I've been thinking about like watching his stuff, and I've only seen a couple of Jim Jarmusch movies. And I just I feel like there's a lot of independent directors I, I haven't really paid attention to. I should. Yeah. Yep. All right. Is this your last one? Yeah. All right. Um, go ahead. It's Delicatessen. Uh, Delicatessen is a, the first movie by Jean-Pierre Jeunet and Caro. It's French French guys who did Amelie. Um, it is not as romantic as Amelie, but it has a romantic thread through it. A clown. I, I, I actually think Dominic Pignon was actually a clown before he even got into acting. He's the main actor. He was in um, Alien Resurrection as the guy in the wheelchair. Okay. And so I think he was a clown before he got into acting, like a trained clown. Huh. Um, and he, he goes to this... It's a post-apocalypse story, too. Apparently, the whole world around them is radiated, and everything is covered in this thick haze, and it's brown, and it's murky, and it's gross. And the tenement building that they have at the very bottom is a delicatessen, and he's always stocked with meat, untainted meat. Hmm. So how is that? Hmm. Well, Dominic goes in, and he he's looking for a job, and the guy's like, well, you're a bit skinny, you're a bit light... You're not very brawny. You don't look like you have a lot of muscles on you. So already we get the hint that he carves up people and sells it to the local tenement and, and the local neighborhood. But uh, what you're hearing is, in the background right now, is bed springs that need oiling and fixing. And he's sitting there 
with the woman who owns the bed, and she's trying to... They're trying to figure out where the spring is. And this is the trailer. There's two versions of the trailer. There's one that's actually got the bed springs being worked, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And one one where the bed springs are being worked on. This is the worked on one. And uh, the, the uh, camera pans through the pipes in the tenement and comes out in each different room. And you see what the people are all influenced by the rhythm of the bed springs. Huh. It's it's very interesting. It's very very interesting. But it is it has that romantic thread through it. Where does he get the girl? Does he not? Type of thing. So I I suggest that. All right. So and that's that's mine. So your list. All right. So mine. It's relatively short. Uh, I tend to watch romantic movies that are pretty mainstream, and it's not like I feel really good about them. <laughs> or they're they're romantic movies that I just didn't resonate. But these are a couple more really recent, and then three are forgotten movies. Actually, four are forgotten movies. And hey, what you want to you want to talk about the Steve Martin stuff? Oh yeah, sure. In the history of motion pictures, only a select few performers have become immortalized by the roles they have portrayed. And now, the most perfect casting of all, Steve Martin. Steve Martin. Steve Martin. Uh, Steve Martin. Hey. Steve Martin's out of control in The Man with Two Brains. Roxanne. L.A. Story. The Lonely Guy. I want to look like Diana Ross. You want to go to dinner? I'm a man. Steve Martin. That was like a handful of his movies in one. Right. Which is the way they all should be. I think you should just go ahead and just cram them all together for one massive beast. So, what do you got to say about his movies? Um, you know, his movies are studio for the most part. Um, he would be considered mainstream, but there is a weird sadness and almost like an independent idea the way he makes movies. Uh, I would believe, you know, there's The Jerk, which is kind of offbeat. But the one that really sits with me, and it's not even that great of a movie, especially considering the rest of the stuff, but it, it kind of started to set the tone for this weird darkness in him when it comes to love and it was pennies from heaven oh i that was already that's it was actually already not one in the, first... one in the trailer that i cut. No, that's... but that's like but... the first time i ever saw anything like that out of him but then the first one that he really like put that in romantic comedy was the lonely guy and like i said that one also isn't that great but there's something very unusual about the way that it's handled by director Arthur Hiller, and it was written. It was actually adapted by Neil Simon, though it's based on a, a book called *The Lonely Guy's Guide to Living*, or I think that's right. And basically, you know, as Steve Martin, his uh, his fiance leaves him, and he, he has to go out and be single again. He tries to figure out how to do that after years of being with her, and he ends up with someone who is self-destructive she purposely dates guys that have serious baggage you know mm. either it's addictions or emotional problems or they're they're uh just you know conniving and when she meets steve martin he's nice and reliable and he's open to commitment and she panics every time that he he thinks it's going to go well she panics and leaves him she leaves him like four times yet he still wow. loves her so much and it's just it's a really strange movie and it's not the guy who screws up yeah it's all it's always the guy who screws up in romantic comedies but this is the one where the woman is the one who's kind of messed up and she causes all the problems 
not that she's a horrible person, but she just obviously needs help. She's and she flawed. needs to deal with yeah. yeah, she needs to deal with the fact that she can have a guy who actually stick around. I, yeah. It's just one of those things that like really sat with you. And he and he's had a handful of movies that are romantic, but they have such an odd bent to them. Like of course Roxanne. Yeah. Is the modern version of Cyrano de Bergerac, but yet that's probably still the most mainstream and most successful of those of those romantic comedies. Right, right, and and he has various moments of comeuppance upon his his uh, tormentors in a way. Yeah, uh, anybody who bugs about his nose, he he takes him down in a clever, funny, amazing way. Um, it's and Cyrano de Bergerac, though, so. It's still, yeah, it's an unusual thing to want to adapt and to slap on a plastic nose, you know, and that's your movie. It's an oddball of choice. And, you know, then he did Love Story, which is probably... L.A. Probably story? The, or, or he didn't do Love Story. What did I say? Story. Oh, I say Love Story. Sorry. L.A. Yeah. Story. You are correct. L.A. Sorry. Story. Hey, L is in there and Story is in there. <laughs> so I got close. A is a vowel, um, so is... And it's about love, so I, I guess I just had that brain and that word in my yeah. brain. <laughs> That's cool. Um, yeah, that one's odd because his whole life is kind of like generic Hollywood. He's just like everybody else, a big old wannabe, you know. And then he gets fired from his uh, celebrity job as like the funny net- uh, weather guy. And, you know, his relationship falls apart. And he, and he starts dating this Sarah Jessica Parker who's like, what, 30 years younger than him? Yeah, she's really, really young. Well, for, wait, it has some magical realism moments in it where like the, the off-ramp sign starts Yeah, that was actually going to get that part. It's like when he starts dating her and then he meets um, his real-life wife. What was her name? I can't remember. She's from I, I don't me. remember, but she's yeah. also an actress, and uh, they they have since broken up, I think. Right, yes, they have. And uh, it's right as he meets her that he starts to question things in his life, and then he runs into... No, he doesn't run into the sign, and the car dies by this... Right by the sign. Yeah, and the, and the sign starts speaking to him. Yeah, like printing words on it. Yeah, and it's just, it's just, yeah, it has a magical twist to it, uh, like a whimsical feel to it. I thought it was a really, really smart movie, too. Just the dialogue is just cracking. I used to watch that movie quite a bit. It came on, I think, cable, like HBO or Cinemax, a lot in the early 90s after it came out on home video. Yeah, and I, I used to watch that movie a lot so much that I don't really ever have to watch it again. <laughs> you know what's funny is I skipped over one. I forgot Man with Two Brains. Now that yeah. one's really strange. It's a parody, but at the same time there is a love story. It's just weird that he falls in love with a brain voiced by Diane Keaton. Is it Diane Keaton or is yep. it? Uh, it is because uh, I was watching the trailer and it sounded like um, um. Romancing the Stone, what's her name? No, Kathleen Turner's in it, but she's the villain. Oh, okay, okay. She's he's the one that he, uh, he she's the one that he marries, but he falls in love with the brain, and she tries to kill him. I think. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. why I remember the voice being in it. All right, so Diane Keaton's the the tender lady brain. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, it's, a, it's a sci-fi mad science mad scientist spoof. Yeah, and I was telling you that I didn't think that this uh, electronic music that is currently happening, like bands, but like Kavinsky or Power Glove or, or stuff like this, actually really existed in the, in the real world. That they're they're pulling from the zeitgeist of memory that doesn't actually really truly exist. Some nods to John John Carpenter's music and uh, Tangerine Dream. But those guys still didn't really have this dun 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 sort of thing. And then I listened to part of the soundtrack for Man with Two Brains, and that has a comedic version of that. 
But it's really close to what these guys are doing, like like Power Glove. It's just not cool. It's just silly version of it. Right. And I was, I, I that was a new discovery for me. So. And I think that's pretty much the, the whole '80s. Just a handful of those, and I think the only other one he did after that was Shop Girl. But it just that one's more dark in tone. It's more dramatic. It's not really comedic, but with like a sad tone. It's it's pretty much a drama. Yeah. Like that's it. I just I always thought it was unusual. Steve Martin movies always had like this sad note to them when it Steve comes to love. Steve Martin. All right, so the next one, uh, it's a newer movie, Giant Mechanical Man. I actually just watched it on Netflix. And I it did had too. been sitting in my queue for a while. You did not see this, right? I did. I just watched it, uh, like, I think last, no, the night before last. And? Because you told me to watch it. And? And I didn't hate it. I didn't expect to like it because the cover looks like it's an indie movie. And oh. indie movies are just terrible to me most of the time nowadays because they're, they look all the same and how they're marketed, how they're presented. But this one, this one's nice and it has some good soundtrack work to it. It's got, it's got Pinback, it's got L1011, things I like in it. <laughs> nice. And, I don't know and any the of these story's bands. all right. <laughs> the story is all right. The story is pretty good. Yeah, the, I think the I outro think the, song. The outro song is by Pinback. There's a there's a couple things in it that I really enjoyed. Um, I'm not gonna say it was groundbreaking by any means. No, it, um, it was Gra- Topher Grace. Well, actually, here's a, here's a plot. Jennifer, I, if I remember correctly, it's been a little bit since I've seen it. Uh, Jenna Fisher, yeah. she's basically going nowhere. I mean, she's yep. about to hit forty. She has no job. She yep. has no drive. She has no. It's man. not that she doesn't have a job. It's that she keeps getting fired from jobs because she's not just a dynamic person. Right, and she gets fired for the most ridiculous thing, where she just had to guard a door, and that <laughs> was it. You know, and uh, she really has no drive. She doesn't know what she's doing with her life, and everybody keeps pushing her, especially her sister, who's younger. Who pushes her and pushes her and pushes her, and she forces her to go to this help, this guru self-help seminar run by Topher Grace, who is they want to, they want to, they want to hook them up together. They want to push them to be a couple. At the same time, yeah, they do make it clear though that the stuff that's in the seminar she needs to take in her life, how to, yeah, the seminar is just about having a conversation, right? How to have a conversation, how to talk to each other. The irony is that Topher Grace just talks about himself. He thinks he's yep. a great conversationist, but all he does is yap, yap, yap about himself. And I thought it was yeah. a really funny performance and completely different than what he usually does. It is a terribly funny performance, as in terrible. Like, you do not want him to continue talking. Just stop talking. Right, just, just, yeah, you sort of hurt stop, him. Stop talking. Stop talking. Stop talking. No talk. But it's the That's point. Yeah. Whenever, yeah, that is the point. And, and it kind of balances out the other character. Now, I feel terrible that I don't know the actor's name. He's on the Mindy Project. Uh, he no, that, is... that guy's one of the, the most prolific actors out there. He's in so much stuff. Really? Yeah, but apparently. Him. Yeah, but we never know his name. No. Um, but, uh, so he's like a down on his luck artist, and his girlfriend's sick and Performance tired. Performance street, street yes. artist. He, and he he's dresses... a, yeah, he's a giant mechanical man. He paints himself up to look like he's metal, and he just does performance art. Like and... robot and whatever, uh, you know. Right, doesn't you say a word. A, you drop a quarter in his hat, and he'll move his body like a robot. Yeah, and he doesn't so. say a word. And, um, you know, and he's doing this thing, and he's not really making any money, and he's got problems on his side. His girlfriend or... Was it She's wife? unsupportive. It's a girlfriend. Yeah, and she leaves him because she plain and simply just can't take it anymore. 
And so he ends up deciding. I think it's weird that he waits till after the relationship's over to go get a job when he could have got it when he was in yep. the relationship. Yep. But he gets a job at a zoo. Jenna Fisher gets a job at a zoo. They meet there. They hang out. And um, actually, I think it's right before she meets him, she sees something in the news. On TV, he gets an interview. Right, and he's interviewed about it, but he's dressed up in the suit, so it's hard to see his face. And he basically gives this big speech about doing what you love in life and just live free or something like that. And, you know, it's just weird that... It speaks to her when she sees the, 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 the news program. It speaks to her what he said. It is a movie. It's a little too much about chance. Like, how is it in a huge city like this the two of them end up at the zoo working together? I mean, it's, it seems kind of Contract. forced. Yeah. And uh, it's just the relationships, though. The, the characters worked well together. And, you know, at the end, of course, things work out because it just does. It's a little it conventional, does. but it, yeah. its approach is odd. And I just really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the best thing about it, the approach. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It's an, it's an odd approach, and that's the best thing... Uh, performances aside, that's the best thing about it is how they come at it instead of being too we're, yeah, cliche. We're a all quirky, the time. independent movie, and everybody here is unlikable. We pretend like they are likable, but they. But know, it, these two people are actually kind of likable. Yeah. And the, the surrounding folks who think they have it all together are the ones that aren't likable. So. Yeah, I mean, I can understand where she's coming from because she's kind of heartbroken by the world, and I can understand where he's coming from because he's frustrated and you know, and yep. kind of broken from it all. But he keeps doing what he does because he loves it, and I just, I kind of get where those people come from. Yeah. You know, instead of being like, oh, he's just the wise ass who has a clever line every time he turns around the corner, and she's so quirky and cute. They're they're two rather well fleshed out characters. I yeah. Say. Now, what do you got next? Is, the next one is an odd one. I liked it, but I'm not sure exactly why I liked it. It's someone up there likes me. Nick Offerman. We watched that last night, and I watched it the night before. Um, so I've seen it twice in two days. How, how is that a romance? It's it's it, it's an anti... Oh, wow. It's hard to explain because it is... The basis of it seems to be around trying to love somebody. Maybe it's an anti-romantic movie. Well, Maybe I don't I, think I anti for, in the sense of, uh, like anti like like it hates and it doesn't want and it's telling the world that you should hate and not want either yeah it's a strange movie because it's through a huge chunk of this one man's life and his relationship with nick offman as his best friend and the girl he eventually marries and the weirdest thing about the movie is the fact that they both age while the main character never seems to change one bit like they continue that you know they get gray hair the second Second watch, I picked it up. He has the briefcase, and he opens it up every once in a while. Yeah, that has what to is do that? With, that has to do. It's a magical briefcase. Would it you has, say that's? Would you say that's a mumblecore movie? No, it's not mumbly. It is indie, and it is only an hour and twelve minutes, including credits. But you said something about Napoleon Dynamite. It has. A, it started off with a feel that's a similar to it. And the main actor reminds me, like he seems to me like he's one of the Header brothers. Yeah, he's a, he's he's disconnected for sure. Paul something or other. Yeah. Um. Uh. But um, it's actually not not a bad way to kill an hour. Really. Yeah. It's, it's hard to explain. It seems like a romantic movie. At the same time, it doesn't. There's something about there, it. There are plenty of couplings in the film. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I don't know how to explain the movie because it's not a romantic movie, nor, nor is it a non-romantic movie, but it has issues about love in it. Yeah, yes, it does. So, I mean, it's it's hard to explain, but it's yeah, like you said, it's a, it's an hour plus. You know, just 
just check it out because it's it's very unusual. Yeah, I uh, thought my Netflix was wrong and broken when I was watching it because it was like an hour because I didn't see how long it was supposed to be. Right. So I thought they had this load problem where it's like only showing me like I'm at forty. Wait, I have ten minutes left. Wait, is there? Is it actually going to keep loading as it gets to the end of the ten minutes? <laughs> anyway, but yeah, it, it's it's a cute little film. There's another one that uh, it's not that new, but and I even have it. And I haven't watched it in years. It's just been sitting there because I'm not sure how I want to. You know, you ever watch a movie, you know it's really good, but for some reason you can't seem to get yourself back to it again because yes. it's not exactly like pop entertainment. It's not something you can just yes. hop on. Like there's a better chance of me watching American Ninja before I watch this movie again. It's it's stupid. Even what? though this is uh, it's called Gigantic with Paul Dano and Zoe Deschanel, John Goodman. Yeah, I didn't see it. Um, he's like the manager of a mattress store and he feels like his life is empty so he decides just even since he was a little kid he was very very focused on adopting a Chinese baby that's his <laughs> goal he wants to adopt a Chinese baby very specific and Zoe Deschanel is like this kind of rich spoiled girl comes into his mattress store trying to buy a bed and they kind of hit it off and um, she's kind of cool about him wanting to adopt a Chinese baby I mean, yes, it's cute and quirky and it's mumbly and it's it's very indie, but I, I think the relationship between the you know the the interaction between those two is really good. And then when it comes time for him to actually adopt the baby, it changes things because the idea of something is sometimes is, better than the reality. Yeah, because now you have the responsibility, especially for someone you know Zoe Deschanel's character is always just kind of been like one of those flights of fancy kind of girls. Like, whatever pops in her head sounds exciting that day, and then she'll move on to something else. So that's kind of like, oh, the baby that sounds like an awesome idea. And then a week later, oh, I want to do something else, but you can't. The baby's there now, right? So you know, it's 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 an unusual movie. It affected me in a way I really can't explain. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, even after I, it was I, done, I just kept sitting there thinking about it, thinking about it, and uh, I just don't know why I'm back. I've, to I it. heard of it, but I didn't even know that they were in it. Yeah, I like so Paul that's... Dano. He does good stuff. He just doesn't get a lot of praise. Oh, you know what? He, uh, I forgot. There's one I didn't put on this list. I just want to mention real quick: Ruby Sparks. Uh, you told Paul, me about it. You told me about yeah, it. Yeah, Paul Dano movie. It, and I watched it. Yeah, and that's another one where okay, I'll tell you. You like Paul Dano? I'm not. I'm not too. He's, I can say that he's a good actor, but the movies that he picks are like super indie stuff, and um, it make me probably makes me uncomfortable. Well, he was in Prisoners; he's very uncomfortable. The choices that he takes in the kinds of characters that he plays make right. me uncomfortable. Um, so that it's not super fun for me, and I was expecting all of that with Ruby Sparks, and then Ruby Sparks turned into something different. Yeah, what did, it's, what did it, what 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 is Ruby Sparks? Basically, he writes his perfect He's, woman, and he keeps changing it. He thinks it's perfect, but he keeps changing or whatever, and it just starts. Getting wait, out wait, of wait! Hand. What's the premise? What's the premise? What's the premise? What's well? Oh, it's been a year since I've seen it. So, all right, I just watched it, so okay. I'll tell you the premise. He's a star mm. author, young superstar author. Didn't even finish high school, and then he wrote this awesome book. And everybody has lauded him for a very long time. Five plus years or something. Uh, he's lonely. He doesn't have a girlfriend. His and they're bugging brother, the crap out of him about writing another book. Yeah, everybody's bugging him about writing another book. And his brother is like, the reason why 
like the, this story is nice and all, but you don't know women. You're writing just a, an ideal, but he keeps writing uh, the ideal, and he has this very vivid dream that he just spends his perfect amount of time with her, and he wakes up the next day, and she's there. He's willed her into existence. And now you can continue. Yeah, so basically he has everything he's wanted. It's, it seems perfect. But just because what you want at the moment, what you think of perfection at that moment, it doesn't mean it won't change. And so as he goes along, he starts altering things. And he doesn't want to. He does, He really doesn't want to. He gets the perfect girl, and then his brother's like, well, you can change her and all that stuff. And he's like, I don't want to. But there's the hang-up of her life. She's stagnating as this perfect person. She, and everybody changes. You change. I change. Michael will like a movie one day, will not like a movie, the same movie, the next day, possibly. Or that's just me. Well, I get hit in the head a lot, so that happens. <laughs> um, there, there are some movies that I, I revisited. Uh, I revisited one on your list, uh, and I realized that I actually do like it. Um, but that's coming up next or later or something. Um, this movie, he he does end up exploiting the the trick of changing her character, and he does it out of frustration because she wants to be a full, fully realized person, and she doesn't even know she's written. Yeah, she has no clue. Um, she doesn't know that she's been created by this guy. Um, yeah, I don't want to ruin it, but yeah, it's yeah, one of those things yeah, where it, just because we it has, think it's it perfect, has a good resolve. It has right. a very it has a good resolve to it. Um, it is rated R, and I don't even think it needed to be, but it is rated R uh, language. You know, it's funny. Um, it's from the directors of Little Miss Sunshine, and we waited forever and a day for them to do a follow. It was like seven year difference between the movies, and I don't think Ruby Sparks made a dime. I don't. No, I, I, I don't barely because I didn't know if he knew like, how to sold it, sell it. It's like a good resume piece for the actors, right? But other than that, it's 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 kind of hard to find too. I don't really think that the studio. I don't see it on any streaming services, and I think you can only pick it up on disc. But who picks up a disc anymore? Right. All right. So, so what do you got? Uh, next what, what one. Uh, these are all. Uh, the next three are just kind of older movies that have been forgotten. I and I think they're really great. Uh, Defending your life. I'm a huge okay. Albert Brooks fan. Uh, Modern romance is kind of a depressing, stressful uh, romantic tale. And then, um, oh, what is the one? I, I forgot all of a sudden the one where he goes around America. You know, he he makes a bunch of money and his wife blows it. Made in America. Made. Is that it? Made in America. That can't be I, no, right. Not, Whatever. It's not made in America. It's uh, something in America. I'll look it up. Um, okay, so Defend uh, Your Life. Um, he had just come off of broadcast news, and he took that heat basically to go make another studio movie, even though his first two did not do well. Lost, Lost. in America. <laughs> wow, that's weird right that I did that. I got it. Lost in America. Yeah, Lost in America was sort of a romantic movie, but at the same time, it was another one of those where you're just like stressed out and people are screwing up left and right. Defending Your Life is more about redemption. Uh, he dies, goes up to heaven, and basically it's amazing, but he has to go to court to defend his life, basically, all the bad stuff that he's done to see if he's worthy of getting into heaven yeah. or he should be spat out in the other How direction. How is that a romantic story? Because he meets Meryl Streep up there 
And she's so free and so happy and so courageous that it throws him off. He really likes her and he wants to stay in heaven, but he's lived an entire life of absolute fear. He does everything based on fear. Uh, and when neuroses. he's in court, yes. When he's in court, he has to defend all this stuff and there God, I don't want to ruin it, but there's a moment where he finally realizes what Meryl Streep has, and he has to fight for it. He has to show courage for once and face his fears. Still, how is that a romantic story? I don't know, because he, he, he changes who he is. He faces his fears for love. Oh, so he does want to actually be her beau up in heaven? He does. That's why he wants to stay, and, and he fights hard in court to stay, because he's kind of, oh, wow, heaven, you know, but he's kind of ambivalent to it. Does he go back and restart? Does he go to hell? Does he stay in heaven? He, he doesn't know really what he wants to do, but he I meets see. her, and her courageousness, you know, it throws him off at first, but then he comes to really admire it, and then it just comes down to his final day in court, and he has to prove himself worthy of not only her love, but staying in heaven. Gotcha. You've never seen it? Nope. Uh, oh, I'm, man. I'm Meryl Streep, man. Can't do it. Nope. Not. Okay. But uh, do you like? I, I could probably do what you're saying. Um, yeah, of all the Albert it. Brooks movies, they're the least irritating. I mean, some people don't like Albert Brooks. I love him, but I can see where people are like, "Ugh, whiny crap," you know, Mother yeah. and uh, the Muse. His turn uh, and drive was way different. And oh, totally different. Yeah, like, hey, what? He's acting. <laughs> he's an actor. What? He's an so actor. There's, yeah, so there's that one. It's it's a, a kind of a dramatic turn for a comedic actor. But the one that uh, really I hadn't seen it in years, but I watched it last year. Uh, Robin Williams, Moscow on the Hudson. Oh. Now at the time it was a decent hit. Twenty five million back, you know, thirty yeah. something years yeah, ago yeah. was a good amount of money for a dramatic movie star. That got him closer to being the superstar. Right, and I think a lot of people have forgotten about it because it's not one of his big hits. I, I haven't seen it, but it's about it, a Russian guy coming to New York. Yes, yeah, so he comes, he's part of a, a music, like an orchestra and visiting from Russia. They come to New York to perform. Um, he decides he's staying. So he, what's the word called again? I haven't heard defects. it forever. Defects. I want to defect. Um, not just because he loves America, but because he sees this waitress, or not waitress, sorry, this um, counterperson at this big, like, Macy's kind of place, and instantly just falls in love with her. Maria Cochito Alonso. Pretty uh, sure I mutilated that name. No, not, not too bad. And uh, Paul Maslansky, it's a romantic movie, but at the same time, it's honest about how difficult relationships can be. I mean, the man's working, like, four jobs busted his hump to live in new york he struggles with the language he struggles with this whole new world even though he loves it it's still a challenge to him and at the same time he has this relationship he needs to work on and things don't go the way that romantic comedies or i would say it's a romantic drama yeah um they don't go the way that you want them to it goes the way that you need it to you need the kind of honesty that movie brings and it's not just about love though it's about just being just being an immigrant you know coming to america because everybody at one point was an immigrant except for the native americans yeah and there's a the last five minutes of the movie are the probably the most beautiful emotional moments not not visually because it's all set in a diner but it's about all these groups all these guys that are immigrants that are completely like just lost in this amazing city just 
having a moment where they just truly connect, and I, I loved it. All right. And in fact, I would probably say it's his best movie. Oh, okay. Something that isn't Hook. Yeah, and uh, it did just get reissued um, for like a budget price. You can find it like a lot of places, like five bucks. Uh, um, Mill Creek just re-released it. Huh. <laughs> you seem very unexcited about that. Huh. Uh. Huh. Uh, this is All my, right. my listening. Huh. Uh, last you... movie. I think it's my last movie. I don't know if I forgot something I sent to you, but we should probably wrap this up. Okay. Uh, my Demon Lover. All right. Wait, wait, wait. We'll what? talk about the last one. You have Punch Drunk Love. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. we'll talk so, about that. Uh, we'll talk about that last. But... Okay. My Demon Lover. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, Scott I love Valentine. this movie. I saw this movie like a dozen times when I was a kid, and Scott, I still watch Scott it. Scott Valentine, for those, those of you who have a memory and those who don't, let me refresh. Scott Valentine was the big bad boyfriend who was also a nice guy uh, from Mallory... Uh, Mallory's boyfriend and family ties. And For a brief moment, he him, was very hot. <laughs> they, they tried to make him a star. And this and, was pretty much his only opportunity because everything else after that went straight to video. Yeah. And okay, so New Line Cinema. My Demon Lover. Right, My Demon Lover, New Line Cinema decided to get into. Actually, no, they're already doing horror comedies, but yeah. they horror romantic comedies. Yep. Were there any other ro- horror romantic comedies at the time? Uh, I don't know if Vamp is American, considered. American um, Werewolf count? No, Vamp does not count. No, um, American Werewolf. Uh, the the Fright Night stuff does count. Um, does it? I guess, but no, this is girl and stuff. But but no, yeah. this one's specifically about a relationship. Uh, and want a date? Frankenhooker? Frankenhooker, really? <laughs> You're just asking me. I'm pulling okay. things out. <laughs> uh, all right, whatever. Let's stop it. It was a year afterwards, anyway, okay. or two years afterwards. All, all right, right, 1987. All right. My Demon Lover. Basically, Scott Valentine. At first, he's like the craziest friggin' bum scum. I don't know what is going on with his character. He's bonkers, and uh, he runs with Michelle Green, and she's like this sweet girl and never meets a nice guy. And somehow, through some weird turn of events, they get together, they hook up. And he cannot be amorous with her. He cannot have any sexual contact with her. And uh, it's because when he was a 13-year-old boy, kissing and groping, uh, he got basically busted by a gypsy dad, and he cursed him with the Pazoski! The Pazoski! Which gives him (laughs) a little mark on his belly, and it turns him into a demon whenever he gets horny. Yeah. Basically, yeah, he gets horny, he yeah, turns that's... into a monster. Yeah. You don't like you don't like this movie at all. I, just... <laughs> uh, I remember seeing it and I remember being just like Ye- okay. I, I love the fact it is, that uh, it is okay. what it is, but I, I don't think it's a it's a work of like okay, when you see early Sam Raimi, you think, Wow, that's a pretty good direction for nothing, uh, for no money behind it or anything. Um this movie doesn't seem to have that fervor. It's more too. of a special effects bonanza. Like every time he gets horny, it changes. He doesn't repeat yeah. the same demon, which I thought was clever. Oh, they, they could just, I don't even they could remember s- that. I haven't seen it in years. Oh yeah, they could save makeup by just doing the same exact demon over and over. Yeah. But every single time, it'd be completely different. Just like insane creative stuff going on. Oh. And uh, at the same time, there are women being murdered in New York 
by some monster, and everybody assumes it's him, but it may not. At the same time, and that's so convoluted that they met at the zoo where they both worked. (laughs) (laughs) And at the same time, there's a monster who everybody's mistaking this monster for. Oh, golly. Movies. It's hard to find. What they They expect us to believe. Yeah, it finally got released on DVD if you want to check it out. Uh, it was on YouTube for a long time, but I even had a copy, but I don't know where it is. I lost it. Oh, darn. <laughs> Shut up, man. I like that movie. <laughs> hey, it's all right. We can... Remember I suggested Highway to Hell? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all so, like some, all right. some stupid movies. All right, final movie. This was on both of our lists. No, it's on yours, but you made me watch it. Not made me. I mean, he didn't force me or anything, but I decided to go ahead and watch it because it was at my. Um, Wait, you've never seen it before? I had, and I didn't like it. Oh, well, what'd you think this time? Punch Drunk Love. Um, I find it interesting, and you're hearing right now, radio listeners, radio listeners, um, <laughs> the He Needs Me by. Harry Nilsson. It's a. It's actually remixed for this movie, which makes it so much more eerie and creepy and weird. Um, it's Shelley Duvall singing for Popeye. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So first movie I ever saw in the theater, by the way, Popeye. Oh, I feel sorry for you. I know. Well, my parents they didn't know any better. <laughs> right. So um, what I think about it is, I just still do not like Adam Sandler's work. I ever. I don't like looking at him. But why? That's kind of mean. This no, it's not. It's it's coupled with all of the stuff that he's just constantly doing, and the constantly doing. Look, I don't have to like what everybody looks like on the planet. It's fine, but they can still be good actors. They can still do reputable and great work. This just so happens to be one of his reputable and great works, but. Uh, when I, that's not, okay. I should shouldn't have said it that way. His body of work tells me that I don't want to watch it. And then when he does something like this, that's out of the ordinary. Sure, I'll watch it. But I was still at the time when I first saw it, which was a year after it came out, so it was on DVD. I was just like, mm, okay, because I was riding the high off of Magnolia at the time. Yeah, and they're two totally different movies. Totally different. I think Boogie Nights and Magnolia go well together, but Punch Drunk Love just kind of sits on its own. Yeah, it's its own thing. It's not this big uh, cross-secting storylines or enormous casts and all this stuff. So I think I was influenced by his previous movies. Uh, But when I watched this, uh, I think it was last night... Yeah, all right. I like it. My wife realized. <laughs> my wife realized that she liked it less. There's so much unusual stuff going on, and it moves like lightning. I think. Uh, I just really. I keep watching it. And I, I, yeah, I didn't realize. See, see, that's one of the things. I was expecting this super long thing, but I didn't get it. And it also has really strange colors. And in fact, it looks like J.J. Abrams uh, got a hold of it. And threw all these light yeah. lens flares all over it. It's such a lens lens flarey movie that movie. My favorite, my favorite scene, and it's such an unusual scene. Why I love it so much is the one where he's. It's really early in the morning. He's coming to work, and that that thing falls out the back of the truck. What's that? What's that little thing? Harpsichord? No. Um, 
No, it's, a, it's an organ. It's a. Why did I say harpsichord? Maybe That's stupid. Maybe it's a melodica. Um, Harmonium. I, that's actually a scene that I was up. Uh, I was working in the fireplace, which is next to our TV area. So I was poking at the fire. I didn't see what happened. Did a car hit? Yeah, it just hits it and it flies. There was like a car accident, and then the thing drops out of. Yeah, and he car. just picks it up like and in this just... panicked rush, like he doesn't want anybody catching him taking it, and then he throws it into his office. And there's this this thing, the whole thing's surrounded by this thing. It's weird because like he's a stressed out mess, and he runs back and just plays a few notes on it, calms down, and comes right back. Uh, I think the reason I like yeah. it so much not just because it was so well shot is because my grandmother, my great grandmother, had one of those in her house. And um, when we were little, we would used to oh. just play with that thing. So it was just kind of one of those like, oh my god, I remember those. So you know it. So it had a little bit of comfort just by being right, there. Right, because you, you never you. hear or see those things anymore. Huh. Um, the It is oddly funny. It is not, I don't know, Punch Drunk Love. Everybody, I remember everybody loving the thing immediately. And maybe that was also one of the reasons why I yeah. didn't. A knee-jerk reaction I, to go against whatever the flow is. I don't, yeah, I don't go with the flow usually. It usually goes off of a waterfall into some craggy rocks. And I don't want to be crushed. <clears throat> so, but, um, yeah, the movie's all right. In spite of my, see, I don't even like Tom Cruise, but I like a lot of Tom Cruise movies. So, in spite of me not liking Adam Sandler, I like that movie and I like his, his performance in it. Um, the blue suit's weird. <laughs> it is weird. The theme of that song that uh, it's it's weird. He needs me. He needs me. So strange uh, in the remix of it. Um, the Philip Seymour Hoffman part that was actually pretty funny. That's a ride. The what did I just say? I th- what did I just say? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> At the very end, when he he like he he, he comes out and he's gonna threaten him one last time and he turns around what did I just say he's all right yeah and the whole thing with Philip Seymour Hoffman's character that whole scam they pull on him is just genius and at the same time hilarious the way it's just put together well I guess that's it for me Uh, we're almost at the hour and a half point I finished my list you finished your list that's our choices for romantic movies for 2000 for 2000 unconventional for this year Next next year, there's tons more, but there's still, oh, I realize, not so many great romantic story, romance comedies, romantic dramas. They're just not, for my taste. No. But I, I mean, still have uh, so much more to share with you. I am a sucker for... So hopefully for, we'll be here next year. Yeah, I'm a sucker for You've Got Mail. That's so mainstream. That's so extreme mainstream. It's so incredibly mainstream. Oh, my God, but I love it. It's ridiculous. That's, that cast, yeah. the cast alone. My God, Parker Posey, Dave Chappelle, Greg Kinnear. Just the, Steve Zahn. It's weird. Dabney Coleman. I'm just going to keep doing that pause for a second and throw out a name. <laughs> All right, that's it. That's my one mainstream choice. All right, everybody. You guys have... A, you guys have uh, happy... 14th i suppose or don't please Whatever. yeah i mean Who if cares? you don't at least watch something that give you some hope love is yeah. out there it's just hiding very very far you have to work for it you have to look for it you it's also not just have gonna to come have up and smack you in the face yeah all right uh that's it have fun people and be excellent to each other <laughs>